Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Where the hell have you been? <laughs> now we're ready to start the show. We have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is actor, comedian. You know him from The Daily Show, from the movie Crazy Rich Asians, and the new movie Godzilla vs. Kong. It is Ronnie Chang. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Samantha Presby. Say hello to Samantha, everybody. Hello, Samantha. Hey, Samantha. How you doing, Sammy? I chose Samantha for our superfan shout-out because she's a school nurse in New Hampshire. And I figured Phil would like to hear from a nurse today because uh, he got his shot, but it was not without drama. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So me and Phil, we're going to get the vaccine together. Right. So we're so we're on the phone and we're, we're at the website. We're going through everything together. We're going to get the appointments together and we're going to go through it. All right. As we get to the last page to click, accept, uh, view your appointment. Phil's mm-hmm. phone dies. <laughs> yeah. He clicks it. He gets the appointment for Thursday. I get pushed to Sunday. Right. So Phil's got to go by himself. So I called Phil and I, I know how nervous you were. So for moral support, I went and I picked you up. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> I was extremely nervous because of all the side effects. And then by you coming over, I'm weighing out. Yeah. Do I want the do I want the support from my best friend mm-hmm. or do I want to deal with all the bullshit? Because it's going to be either one. You know what I mean? Because you can never just take me somewhere and be done with it. There's always a fiasco. Mm-hmm. There's something There's some you're going to show up on a horse or something. <laughs> you will. You show up on a horse. What are you doing with a horse? Just get on. Just get on, hop along. Let's go. We're going to get the vaccine. <laughs> uh, look, I don't well, know. The next time we go somewhere, I don't know how I'm going to get a horse, but I am now. <laughs> you <have to>. Absolutely. <laughs> you will. No, he will. That's the kind of shit he does. Show up in a hazmat suit. What are you doing? 
Just take me to the appointment. Mark, so I pick him up. We're driving uh-huh. there. He's all nervous. And, and he, he's reading about the side effects. Like, all right, listen, I'm going to expect this is all coming. I know it. I'm going to get a headache. I'm going to get, I'm going to be fatigued. I'm going to yeah. get muscle pain. I'm God, for, I don't, God knows what else is coming. So he's all nervous, Mark, about, about all these side effects. And I said, Phil, mm-hmm. just don't worry. Whatever happens, I will be right next to you, my friend. And I will take note because I got to get it Sunday. And I just want to see what happens to you. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. He didn't. He missed the appointment on purpose. He, he missed it on purpose to see what happens to me. <laughs> you go in there first, and let me see what, what goes on with you in the back scene. Yeah. Oh, we didn't die. Okay, yeah, I'll get it. Every, yeah, and then if everything's fine with you, I'll go do it. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> honey, when I said it to him, he started screaming just like that. I was like, you got to be shit me. That's why you did this. So... So he's all wound up. I said, all right, listen, we got a couple of minutes. Calm down. I'll take you to Starbucks. And we went to Starbucks. You know what Starbucks we went to? It was on the corner of Wilshire and Santa Monica. You know that huge intersection? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we get to Starbucks. And I said, all right, Phil, go inside. He's like, Yeah, go in. Phil, go in. Just come in with me. No, you go in. I had to make a phone call. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So Phil went in. You had the plot is what you had to do. You had the plot. That's what you do. So I said, Alex, I come out of the Starbucks, right? Mm -hmm. I have a bag. I have the eggs. I have the water. No car. He's gone. I'm like, where the f- where, where where did he go? He's gone. He's go- nowhere to be found. The car's nowhere. So I'm looking around. Look at I look across the intersection. Right? He's on the other side of the intersection, waving. Philip. I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing? The, the clock's ticking. What are you doing? I got eight minutes to get the vaccine. You're gonna make me late. I'm across the street of that big intersection. He's got to run across four lanes of traffic. Four lanes. Carrying eggs and coffee. Dodging all kind of cars. I got eggs. (laughs) He gets in the car. He's like, what the hell is the matter with you? I go, I'm saving us time. I'm pointed towards the appointment. Get in the car. I go, will you stop wasting time? This is, it's your appointment. And he's yelling, fuming. This is is the horse. This is the horse. This, This is what it is. This is the fucking horse. So he gets in the car. We park the car. We get, and I got to park a couple of blocks away because I found parking. You know how hard it is to find parking in Beverly Hills? Mm-hmm. So I find some parking. So we got to walk. All right, he gets out and he's all nervous. And now when Phil gets nervous, things just start coming out of his head. So, all right, I'm going to go fine. All right, good. I, I don't know if I can eat this now. Do I got to eat before this vaccine? Do I eat the eggs? And I said, Phil, just eat the friggin' eggs. And then he looks at me. He goes, Jack Hanna's got dementia. I don't know why. <laughs> Jack, what? who? What? In case what something went sideways, you just wanted to make sure Adam knew that. We passed a store. It was a bookstore. I saw a leopard. I thought of Jack Hanna. (laughs) Jack Hanna, the guy from the zoo. Yeah, the zoo. Got diagnosed with dementia. It was in the headlines that morning. It just Mm -hmm. came out of his mouth. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not funny that he had dementia, but the way he said it. (laughs) Every time I remember seeing Jack Hanna on TV, he was always with chimps. So Mm -hmm. I equate him with chimps. Mm -hmm. And. So for some reason, I don't know why, but I started to casually walk like a chimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gasoline on fire. Gasoline on fire, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You started acting like a chimp. Yeah, a what? chimp right what? in the middle of the street. Oh, yeah, he's walking behind me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Oh my really? Goodness. I need this now? Like, what do you do in that situation, Mark? Can I just ask you that question? There's no, you can't Google that. You know, how to react to a friend who's imitating a chimp. How do you, what do you, how do you there's nothing to figure out. You call Uber. That's how you do it. He's behind. I'm behind him. Like, I'm like, 
Uh, and he's just walking, and I'm picking bugs out of his hair. Oh, my goodness. Valet <laughs> Parkers are turning around looking at us. And he's just walking. I'm like, oh. He's trying not to get upset. Yeah, people are turning their heads. People are turning their heads. I need this. I'm just going to get the vaccine. Just look the other way. He's a chimp, Okay. We're walking down Rodeo Drive, and we gotta make we gotta make the turn onto Roxbury to go where he's got to get the vaccine. So he goes he goes to go down Roxbury, and I just went nada, and he stops like what? I go, <laughs> I go, I said it's across the street. So he's standing. He's like, ah. he goes, you're not coming in. You're not coming in. All right, Phil. At least let me walk you to the door so I feel better. You don't feel better. This has nothing to do with care and compassion at all. This has to do with your enjoyment. There's a adrenaline running through his body. (laughs) Well, this is why I did it. Just hop on your horse, Sheriff, and go home. I'll be fine. (laughs) Mark, I did this to keep his blood pressure up so the vaccine would take effect quicker. Uh, Oh, my God. Is that what you're going? That's the bullshit you're running on us. It's science, Phil. You can't argue with it. So so he's all wound up. I walk him to the door, and he looks and goes, you're not coming in with me. I said, okay, I'm going to take an Uber home. Thank you. I said, okay, fine. So I gave him his bag lunch, his permission slip. I said, have fun on your field trip. And he went in and I went home. Yeah, and that now I'm now I'm breathing easier because he's gone. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So I get the shot. I get the shot. And, and then you have to wait there 15 minutes so they can monitor you, you know, just to make sure nothing happens. You don't have any adverse side effects or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh the guy behind me in line, he's next. He gets the shot. He sits next to me. Mark, I'm not making this up, Alex. He passes out. What? <laughs> Yeah, he passes out like in three minutes on the floor. Paramedics show up, fire trucks. I'm like, you got to be shitting me, right? Now, I feel for the guy, obviously, but in my mind, I'm like, is this going to happen to me? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So I go to the pharmacist lady who administered the shot. I'm like, listen, uh, I'm praying for him, obviously. I hope he's going to be okay. But but I had the shot, too. She's like, yeah, this only happened twice today. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, thank God the guy was okay. He was coming around. But can you, I mean, imagine now I'm freaking out. Is this going to happen to me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. My phone rang. (laughs) I couldn't hit record quick enough. (laughs) This was the part of the phone call I got. Gonna have an adverse reaction. Oh my god, can I just have a normal? Millions of people around the world are getting this. None of these problems are happening. Oh, me, me. It, Phil, it didn't happen to you. It happened to the guy after you, okay? But I just got the same shot. Maybe it's a bad dosage. It's, Maybe it's a bad batch. Okay, listen. Then why didn't you then why didn't you drop dead right there? I don't know. Maybe it's gonna take a little more time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure that that possibly won't happen. It's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no reassurances. There's no moral support. Nothing. I, I want support. Didn't didn't I pick you up? I take you there, and then I, uh-huh. I and I kept texting you. I kept texting you. Ask afterwards to see if you were right. Any headaches? Oh, 
You were fatigued. I asked you if you had any toenail fungus, and that's when you yeah. stopped talking to me. Right. It's not even a side effect. It's not even a side effect. You're making up side effects now. Everybody listening, pay no attention to that. You don't get toe fungus. Do not listen to this man. Phil, I tried to give you moral support. and, and, and Ron- Try harder. Okay. <laughs> well, let me just ask you this. If I would have told you that you're going to be okay, would that change your perspective? Yes. <laughs> it would. Of course. I don't know how, but it would. Okay. Somehow it would. Okay, fair enough. Ronnie Chang's parents changed their perspective about their own son when they read about him in a Singapore newspaper. You guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. The nuances of mental health are often lost on people. When people hear mentally ill, they think crazy. When people think depressed, they think sad. When people hear anxiety, they think very, very scared all the time. My life. It's all right. It's almost over. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is how you spend your time. Yes, Virginia, there is live comedy again. I'm coming to the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia, April 30th and May 1st. And I'm going to be in Richmond, Virginia, May 6th through the 8th at a new club called the Sandman Comedy Club. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And as always, if you can make any of these gigs, please come up after the show and let me thank you personally for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, let's listen to Ronnie Chang. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an actor, comedian, and was almost a lawyer. He is a senior correspondent on The Daily Show. You may know him from the movie Crazy Rich Asians or his stand-up special on Netflix. Uh, He's in the upcoming movie Godzilla vs. Kong. He was born in Malaysia, raised in Singapore, went to school in Australia. He's currently in Hawaii, and I am in my garage. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm grateful he's made time for us today. It's Ronnie Chang. How are you, Ronnie? Hey, thanks for having me on. To see you, my friend. How are things? I'm doing okay. I'm in Hawaii, so I'm doing okay. Where Uh, where are you in Hawaii? 
undisclosed location, otherwise known as Waikiki, Honolulu. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We used to go to Kauai. I had a manager that had a house on Kauai when I first yeah. started. And that's when I yeah. realized, Ronnie, I'm paying way too much money in commission. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, you bring up, man, I'm telling you, when you see the reps, yeah. when they're too flashy, you're like, oh, this dude isn't, he doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you work for me. I don't have that car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they're too flashy, it's not just a lack of, um, uh, it, it's not just a lack of awareness with the client, but mm-hmm. it's also like, what are you spending your money on? Like, yeah. can I trust you to make good decisions? I yeah. mean, you know, you're wearing like a Panerai watch and, uh, yeah. you know, like it's way too flashy. You want the you want the silent puppet masters. Sure. I'm into cars, Ronnie, and the Buick oh. was always considered um, the doctor's car because if the doctor made a house call and he showed up in a yeah. Chevy, you're like, this doctor sucks. He's driving a Chevy. <laughs> If he shows up in a Cadillac, you're like, this guy's going to rob me. He's driving a freaking Cadillac. The Buick pulls yeah. in the driveway and they go, the doctor's here. Yeah. 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 Buick perfect. Like this guy's successful be- from his abilities, but he's also responsible. You want that sweet spot. You sure. don't want the, yeah, you don't want the flashy. What are you doing with your money, man? How yeah. can I trust you with my career? If you're, I don't, <laughs> if you're that's right. situational yeah. awareness, that's what we have respect yeah. for. Just say in American show business, you'll find out. Like I'm very new to it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I've only I moved to America five years ago, and uh, I'm still a baby in show business. I'm maybe ten years into performing, mm-hmm. or 11, 11 years. But like, um, uh, one one thing since moving to America, I've learned is that in America, man, you keep hiring people to do the job you thought the last person did. Yeah, you have to keep hiring people. You got to hire people to do the job that they're supposed to do. Dude, the amount of middlemen coming in Mm -hmm. in American showbiz is both ridiculous and hilarious. Yeah. Like, let let me, let me lay out for people who don't understand. Like you get, you know, I, I, I'm a bit unusual. I had an agent before I got a manager, Mm -hmm. but let's just say you get an agent, right. And you're like, Oh yes, great. I can finally start getting work. And you're like, Oh no, no, no. You need a manager to actually get real work because mm. the manager is the one who has the connections to shove you into projects. So you got an agent and you got a manager and you're like, okay, now I'm set. Right. Now I got, no, no, you gotta go get a publicist, publicist. so that people actually know who you are so that they'll hire you. And that's how you get into like magazines or yep. whatever the hell it is. Right. And then you get publicists. Like, okay. I'm set now. Like, no, nope. no, no, you need a lawyer. You need a lawyer, baby. Because none of these, none of these people can actually close the deal. You need a lawyer to actually close the deal. And then once you get a lawyer, you're like, Oh, I'm set. Right. And you're like, no, no, no. You need, you need to get a business manager <laughs> to handle the money side. No one's going to collect the check for you. You yeah. got to get a business manager. Once you get a business manager, you're like, oh, okay, this is it. No, no, no. you got to go get a, 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 a personal assistant. Yeah. Because guess what? None of these none of these people can actually book a flight for you. Nope. The only person who is the personal assistant. Once you get a personal assistant, you're like, okay, now I'm set, right? And then you find out in 2021, you have to go get a social media manager. Because none of those people know how to use social media. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it is endless. I know. I got, the, I got the manager. I got the agent. I got all of them. And you know who I got? I got the wife. I just tell the wife, I, I, <laughs> I, I want it done. And she does it because I have no, Ronnie, I have no patience, Ronnie. I got none whatsoever. No, I got no patience. And I, that's why uh, when I was uh, watching your stuff, I was laughing. I have many questions. You moved here to the United States five years ago to New Hampshire. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, so when I was a kid, I moved, my, my parents went to college very late in life. My mm-hmm. parents went to college when they were in their late 30s. Right. They had, they had two kids. 
in the late thirties and then they moved to New Hampshire for college from oh, okay. Malaysia. Okay. Yeah. So they, so they went, so that I, my, you know, when, when I was like three years old, I moved to Manchester, New Hampshire mm -hmm. from Malaysia. And then we were there for about four years, five mm -hmm. years, they finished their undergraduate and then they did their masters. And then we were like good immigrants. We didn't take anyone's job because we moved back to Malaysia. <laughs> so after we graduated, we just moved back. Um, and then um, we, I was in Singapore for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to, um, I went to Australia for law school, yeah. undergraduate law school for 10 years. So I was in Australia for 10 years. And that's mm -hmm. where I started doing stand up. And then I just, I moved to um, New York City in 2015, mm -hmm. five years. What? Uh, what's, oh my God, six years ago now. What type yeah. of law were you, uh, you going to practice? Uh, man, I, 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 corporate law, I guess. Right. I mean, I was, you know, on the, uh, I, I didn't get a job, but there's no, you don't specialize in law school, right? You specialize after you yeah, leave yeah. law school. So I didn't, I didn't really, I, I, I couldn't get a job. So I didn't even specialize. I'll be honest with you, so Ronnie, just, I'm, I'm glad you didn't No, Don't sell your soul for a Lexus. Don't do it. Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little, I, I sold my soul in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> for, for Lexus, yeah. But you know what? Um, one of the things I really responded to. Uh, one, first of all, got stoned. You're doing comedy all over the world. You know that's. Oh yeah. That's well, that's yeah, impressive. I'm, I mean, I've done it in Canada, but that doesn't count. That's like that's like <laughs> that's America's attic. It's like the people upstairs. Yeah. Uh, I did it in yeah. England um, and and Australia. I did the Melbourne Festival. Um, yeah, yeah, that's my that's my festival, man. Melbourne yeah. International Comedy Festival is my my home festival. Yeah, that's yeah. why I started doing comedy with Melbourne. Now, when you came to when you came to the United States, you get that free kind of maybe year, year and a half of hey, I'm new, you people are nuts. But then after that, you got to nail it. Yeah, no, you nailed it. That's exactly. And you know who told me that? That John Oliver told me that. Oh yeah. So when I first yeah, when I first moved to America, I uh, I moved I moved to America to join the Daily Show. Mm -hmm. So I was very lucky. I I, I got hired. And I got a job and then I moved to America, you right. know, like, um, and I think the daily show is probably the best job in comedy for, for many reasons we can get into. But anyway, um, so when I first got to, when I first got a daily show in New York city, um, I, and the daily show network, the alumni is a very close knit family. Mm -hmm. So I kind of asked around and people have been at a daily show for literally two decades, you know, the editors there, the, it's, it's very, it's like almost like an institution. So everyone there knows everybody. So I, I just asked, I reached out to the, you know, I asked the EPs and the various producers, like, hey, do you mind if I reach out to John Oliver? I just want to ask him about how to do, how to be a non-American correspondent on The Daily Show. Mm -hmm. You know, very specific questions. Not not one of those, like, general meetings where I'm just trying to, you know, take a selfie and post about it. Like, actual, yeah. actionable advice, right? And they put me in touch with John Oliver and John Oliver being, you know, the great guy that he is, he let me, he met, met up with me in his office at 8 a.m. before he has to start a long day. And so we met up in his office and we were just talking about the daily show job, very specific, very, very specific uh, tips mm -hmm. um, related to being a correspondent, how to be a non-American correspondent. And, and he, he said what you just said about being, uh, uh, doing comedy in America. If you, are non-American and you mm -hmm. started elsewhere. He said exactly what you just said, which is that you can come here and you can like, uh, it, it took, he said it took him two years mm -hmm. to relearn how to do comedy in America. And he was spot on to the day, two really? years of, of, of learning the nuances of American culture. Cause like you said, when you come here as a headliner, when you come to America as a headliner from another country, 
you can kill for 10 minutes you can kill for 20 you could you, you could probably even kill for an hour but you're you know you're doing the like you said you're doing the foreigner jokes like yeah. oh man look there's like 20 flavors of coca-cola what's yeah. up with that you know like uh, america is crazy and and like that kind of works you can get away with that but like you said after about eight months nine months like the audiences can smell yeah. can smell it that man you've been here you've been here a while now like you know you know you know this is the drill so this shouldn't surprise you yeah. like they can smell the, the, yeah. the authenticity yeah. right and you can feel it and so it comes out like uh even subconsciously so you have to quickly get on a level where you can joke about americans in a way which they agree on meaning right. that you understand the nuances of american culture enough you got to tell americans stuff that they don't know right yeah. about themselves and that's when they're like yeah this guy is spot on and so exactly we just it took two years to kind of relearn the the nuances of the culture enough to where you can joke about stuff where they can get behind you yeah. you know and yeah it's this if you don't I make like that about- leap, you're just you're just perpetually the foreign headliner, yeah. making jokes about being non-American, right? Yeah. And that's that's a good living. If, if yeah, but you know, you, that's, that's you want but what, uh, you're not a comic. You're a comic. You're an evolving artist as a comic. And oh, thank you. I um, uh, the, you could just tell because you're aware of that, and 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 I sensed that when I was watching your stuff. I was going because I have I have a clip, an early clip of you, and I have a later clip of you, and that's where I. Uh, that's where I got it. I'm going to play the early. I mean, they both make me laugh, but I wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to to see if uh, my instincts were right. Um, the the one, <laughs> the chopsticks one is my favorite. I'm going to play this one. Oh, thanks. Dear Chinese people, we invented gunpowder, right? We invented fireworks. Chinese people, we invented chopsticks, right? We invented chopsticks because forks are too easy. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I enjoy a challenge when I'm doing a daily activity. That's required for my survival. <laughs> what is that, a spoon? Get that shit away from me. <laughs> you pussy. <laughs> I enjoy drinking soup with two sticks. So right away, you're, you're hitting what everyone else is thinking. This is my culture. You're here. And then uh, as, as you were more in the States, uh, I saw you evolve. And I wanted to ask you this. The reason I knew it was because there's that unspoken, unverbal communication that I have on stage with an audience, you know, and, and I could see it in your face. I was wondering, is, do you, have, you, have you noticed that experience yet? The unspoken bond? Yeah, that unspoken bond. Between the audience of yeah. that, I'll, I'll do my job and you guys, yeah. you guys have to trust me. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that speaks to what you just said, that unspoken bond is, so I was doing comedy for about, I was up, up, about three years in mm-hmm. and I was loving it, you know, in, in, in Australia. And I was, in Australia, like the stage time isn't like America, especially not like New York. You mm-hmm. know, like if you get on twice a week, you're killing. Yeah. You know, so, so I was getting on stage, you know, once a week which is regular by Australian standards. And it was like, oh man, this is amazing. But I wasn't watching a lot of comedy. I was performing it more than I was watching it. And I remember I had this moment three years in when I, I just was like, uh, something in me was like, you know what? Let me just go watch a show. Let me just go watch a stand-up show as an audience member. And so I went to go watch comedy again. And I remember th- feeling like this, like, oh man, like people come to comedy, you know, they've had a long day maybe a long week, mm-hmm. like you don't know what's happening in their life. You know, like some, they could be coming from something horrible or they receiving some news on their phone about a sure. family member. Like you don't know what's going on in their life. And so like when they're there, you, you have to like, it sounds so obvious to say, but like respect 
them as people and yeah. and uh and uh get them to come on board with you you know you're, you you have to get them on board in yeah. whatever way it doesn't mean you have to pander yeah but you have to get them on board yeah and so i think that's kind of what you're saying about yeah, I learned. I learned real early. My job, my first beat, isn't to get them to laugh, to get them to trust me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, and it's different. You know, I don't make it racial, but it's different. Um, when 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 you're Asian guy in Western culture, and they kind of expect basically a kind of maybe a more maybe a more submissive demeanor, or mm. you know, a, a, a more toned down demeanor and an idea, you're of, an idea of what they think an asian person should be yeah yeah and so if you come on especially me and i don't think i'm putting it on i think this is genuinely how i like to express myself is in this way i mm-hmm. you know i don't think i'm overcompensating for that but my point is that when you come on with this kind of persona getting them to trust you is you know it's it's like a different challenge right because yeah. they have to understand that you're coming at it your aggressiveness is from self-expression. It's not from attacking that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just, yeah. just because you have this high level of energy, it's not a threat to somebody else. It's just, yeah. And it's, it's hard to do um, when, for lack of a better word, when the person doing it is different. Does that make yeah, any yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's some, there's some of that, you know, and uh, look, we all have our challenges, right? Stand up isn't easy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that this is, uniquely my problem everyone has that problem like what you just said getting the audience to trust you no matter what you look like is the is the challenge like you said i I mean i've never heard it put that way but that's probably the best way that's the best way to put it to get them on board you know Mm -hmm. even more than because once you get them on board it's you can take them on a journey easier we're we're going here don't worry even if it gets a little uncomfortable or a little sad i'm gonna pull us out of it it's like you're the pilot yeah 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 and i think I think maybe what you're hitting on right now is that intangible, you're almost describing that intangible charisma. Yeah. Like why some people have a good stage presence, why people don't is because they're able to get people to trust them. You know, yeah. you like this guy. Like, I like this guy. Like, yeah. Plus know, it's also, if- it's also when you can, when you can evolve. I mean, you had a, 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 a statement there that just triggered the awareness of what you have. When you started, you were younger, you were aggressive. This is my stage time. A lot of that comes yeah. with youth. You have that, it, it, it's yeah. pretty much you have this power that you've just discovered, but you don't know how to control yeah. it yet. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. And I think stand up attracts a lot of psychos because that's how I got into it. Stage. <laughs> yeah. We're all psychos, you know, and yeah. some people are more psycho than others, and some people are functioning psychos, you know, like Bill Burr likes to say, and, and yeah. some people aren't. And, and so you, you get like this stage where all you need is a microphone and it attracts all these people. And that's why you get so many crazy weirdos who yeah. don't, who don't, um, e- who don't evolve and it becomes like an ego trip. And that's why you never see them kind of evolve as artists because they can't grow, you know, in that yeah. way. Cause they're psychos. Yeah. Because stand up attracts a lot of psychos. They attract psychos, but it's also our job to, to make, to, to build that trust and to make the audience come along. And you did that in this, this bit, that next bit I have of you, I think illustrates how you did that. I don't know if you're aware you did it, but for me, I'm like, ah, oh, there's the bit that does it. It's such a weird stereotype to have associated with your ethnicity, right? That stereotype of like Asian parents wanting their kids to be doctors. Right? It's like such a weird thing to have on your race. Like, what is that? Is that good? Is that bad? I thought it was like a good thing. Apparently, it's like worthy of mockery, right? <laughs> Asian parents wanting their kids to be doctors. It's weird because it's true. 
right? I know because my parents were the same way. They just wanted us to be doctors. It was like this obsession. They just wanted us to be doctors. And it's insidious as well because when Asian parents want their kids to be doctors, helping people is like on the bottom of a list of reasons. <laughs> oh, if it even makes the list <laughs> of reasons to go into medicine, helping people is like the unfortunate byproduct. <laughs> of becoming a healthcare professional. <laughs> and it's also weird because Asian parents are also the last group of people you can ever convince to see a doctor. Okay. That's great. Ronnie, that construction uh, was great. Here's my culture. Uh, Here's a question I have about it. Here's the turn, so I'm not, I'm not being preachy about it. And my parents are the same as yours. Those four beats and that joke, I went, That's, uh, that does everything for me. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Yeah, I think like what I'm most happy about that joke is that obviously that people laughed, mm -hmm. but uh, that like you take a pretty, to be honest, kind of hacky premise right. of Asian parents wanting their kids to be doctors, which is pretty much done everywhere from family yeah, but, guys but it, or whatever. It establishes a common ground and a starting point. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of giving a different perspective to it. You know, when you can take a hacky premise and 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 add something new, I think that's... I think that's pretty cool, right? Because it's a premise that everyone has kind of thought mm -hmm. of before and you can come up with a new angle. And it's also an angle that I don't think anyone else can kind of give unless you are yeah. of that race, you sure. know, because, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, thanks a lot. It's pretty, yeah. And it's the same thing. It's, 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 it's what, what got me was, first of all, helping people on a list and then the fact that they're not going to a doctor. Well, my, father, yeah. my father had bladder cancer. You know what the warning sign was? He was peeing Jesus. blood. That was the warning Ooh. sign. Ah, maybe I got to yeah. go now. Yeah, it's yeah. just they don't. I mean, man, they, it, it it is truly bizarre, and I'm, um, I I can't. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's where the joke comes from. Is I, yeah. I saw I saw my dad do that. I saw my dad like, I I literally had that conversation with him once. Like one time, I just straight up asked him like, why do you, why do you want your kids to be doctors so mm -hmm. badly? And he just said like, because it's stable. It's a career. And then he said, and of course, also helping people, but it's. <laughs> It's a job. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there you go. You know, like, and he said that he didn't even realize it was funny, right? Because right? he's just being honest. And I'm sure. like, man, that is actually really funny that you want your kids to be doctor and helping people wasn't top of the list. Well, it was like right. all these other financial, <laughs> yeah, it's all these other financial reasons. And, well, they got and it took, you know, like a stand up bit. It took like, I, I bet it was like eight years mm -hmm. from having that conversation to it hitting the stage. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, it wasn't a weekend thing. Cause when he told me that I was still in university right? and I, I wasn't doing stand up at the time, it just something, you know, it brings up that memory, something triggered some memory. And you're like, Oh yeah, that is my, I heard that once. Yeah. yeah. Well, they gotta be happy. I mean, the movies and stuff, they gotta be real happy. Did they see crazy? Did they see crazy rich Asians? Yeah, they did. And I, man, I don't know about your parents, but like my parents just with, with Asian parents, like they don't, Nothing is impressive or even mm -hmm. real right. until a third party yes. talks about it. Yes, yeah. of course. They, it doesn't even matter what you say. It could be you could be the president. It doesn't even matter until like the local newspaper says, "Hey, this guy's the president," and then they start like, "Oh my god, the newspaper said you're the president." Yeah, you know, they don't even care. Yeah, so they outside never cared about anything. Outside validation, Ronnie. I was I was doing the road. I did the Tonight Show. I did also. You know, you yeah. know what really impressed my father? 
when I played Vegas at the Tropicana and my name was in light. That that impressed them. Yeah, yeah. They're like because because you know what what like showbiz professional. We we separate marketing from reality. Yeah. You know, I, 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 we don't believe the market. Whatever for them, they still believe the market. Yeah, they believe the marketing. So, yeah, yeah. Which is like the rule one. Like you never you never do that. You you know what was it for them was two things was. You know, I got a daily show. They didn't even know what it was. My mm-hmm. dad was like, I like, hey, I heard you're on the everyday show. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, no, it's the it's the daily show. You know, and he's like, what, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's like this political satire show, mm-hmm. talk, late night talk show. And he's like, are you, are you the host? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not the host. I'm a correspondent. I, I help the host with segments. And then he was like, oh, okay. Hey, May, he's just a sidekick. <laughs> and... I was, <laughs> and and that went on, you know, and it's like you can't tell them anything. And, 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 you know, so much of being in American show business, like being resilient, right? And having tough skin and like not, and not caring about yeah. like fake validation. Yeah. So we just push that shit. Like by the time you get the Tonight Show, it's more for yourself. Yeah. Than for, you know what I mean? Like by the time you get on it, you're like, this was for me. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if anyone ever knows. Yeah. You Steve have- Martin. You know, in his book, he said he had to go on like 11 times before he broke, whatever, you know, like it's for me. Like yeah. this isn't a, it's not American Idol. It's not a, you know, it's for me because I just love comedy. I love American comedy. I love, I respect the institution. So we kind of push this stuff out of our head, right? And then it's so weird that suddenly like you get a message from your mom where she's like, oh my God, you're, you want on, you know, this thing with this person? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's. Yeah, that's when it's the it's the other people that that th- you can connect to your parents. Like I had um Mo Green from The Godfather, Alex Rocco played my father. Oh man! So he, yeah, yeah, he played yeah. my father in in a pilot, and my father went, "Hey, you with the God? Hey, that, that's Mo Green. You know Mo Green? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and it's weird because my my parents don't have great um connection to American pop culture anymore. Mm-hmm. So their their connection to pop culture was. Literally, 1988 to 1993 right. is is the not just Amer- American pop culture. It is white people culture is 88 to 93. That's it. It's a this like time capsule of this five years. If you didn't do anything in this five years that they heard of, they have no idea who you are. Right. So it has to be like Seinfeld. It has to be Family Matters. Mm-hmm. It has to be Doogie Howser. It has, you know, as like these shows, that's it. Anything else is like, they have no, they don't care about Marvel movies. They don't know about like, um, you know, who's the new host, but is it Johnny Carson and Letterman? That's it. That's it. There's no one else. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, so, so, so to impress them from coming from me to impress them, you have to like, yeah, you have to be in something with Bob Saget with, you know, and I love Bob Saget. He's now a friend, which I opened for him in Australia. So mm-hmm. it's funny, like Bob Saget is like, yeah, he's, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. If, do you know Urkel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know Urkel. <laughs> Our son's made it, May. He knows Urkel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's exactly it, you know. Yeah. God, God bless them. I, mean, I love them, you know. But yeah, but they also, that also keeps you grounded because you, you, that is a lot, really quick, man. Six years, you're 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 not even you're not even doing six years in America. You're doing six years yeah, globally, yeah. and you get the Tonight and, and you get the Daily Show. And do they get a kick out of seeing you in movies on the big screen? Um, you know, they didn't watch a movie for literally, literally twenty years. Mm. They never stepped into a, into a movie theater and. When I got the movie, I didn't even tell them because I'm in the mode of 
like I, if it comes from me, it sounds like it's like, hey, I made it, you know. And I, I we know the drill, right? right. In a movie is whatever. It's like a small scene. You could be the lead. It's, you know, yeah. that's nice for you, but why are you going on bragging about what? You know, what does it matter? So, so I never even told them. And then I guess news kind of got out and they kind of heard and then they went to go watch it and they've never been in a cinema mm-hmm. for you know for 20 years so they were in singapore they brought their family they bought tickets and they they were like watching on a big screen so i think they they had a good time but we yeah i mean i didn't make a big deal about it you know and uh they didn't necessarily um message me a lot about it but i know that they had the family come out and watch me on the screen you know so yeah, i want to and I just, I just had an instinct about this, Ronnie. You, you know, you push success. You know, we don't, we don't take it too seriously. We don't let it in. Yeah. And you're afraid to let it in. <laughs> I, that, hey, I definitely the best defense mechanism in showbiz, right? It's yeah. like low expectations. Yeah. It's the best. That, then you can never get disappointed. No. I mean, I, I think uh, for me, I, I'm curious about how you approach it. But for me, it's like, first of all, like I've seen enough now to be like nothing's nothing's ever said until you actually see it on the screen exactly you could be cut in the you know exactly. whatever why do you want to put yourself in a position where you're bragging and then you end up cut from the movie or you're in one scene you know like if i i, I firmly believe like if it's good it will it will stand on its own merit right it might take a year but I, I rather have that kind of long, long-term word of mouth mm-hmm. than that burst of short-term, you know, blah, 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 and yeah. then it doesn't, it yeah. fizzles, it doesn't mean anything. So for me, that's, and I, I think that's a very, and I, I, so I, I really do want to ask you about this because I, that it's kind of like a philosophical difference in, in stand-up comedy now of there's guys who, um, whether it's through uh, personality or choice, you know, whether it's, they have no other choice to be this way because that's who they are or they could do it, but they don't. Mm-hmm. But the, the choice between all everyday social media, everyday social media and putting it out there, which can lead to success mm-hmm. or that kind of slow, um, like working your craft. It's almost old school. Sure. Like it's out there somewhere. People will find it. You build a following and then you build something that's like, that that is smaller but it's yours and will last mm-hmm. you know because it's you you're the product you know as opposed to the social media you know so i i'm very interested because you have seen it kind of evolve so yeah. much i, I where you i'm stand lazy on- i'm lazy at doing it just the social media i am uh it's for me it it hit at a point where i was already like well what do i want to say it wasn't what can i get it's what do yeah. i want to say yeah, because I already got what I, you know, I, I got a lot. I've been really fortunate, and I'm very, very grateful for it. But it was always, uh, it was always the the get going out and getting, and now it's more or less what do I want to say? What what do I want to put out rather than what do I want to take out? Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like I want to get absolutely. this out of life now. I want to put this in. So if I got something to say and I'm and I want to say it, and and it's also a business, Ronnie. You got you got to keep your presence going. You know, I like doing yeah, this yeah. podcast because I like talking to other artists. I like talking to people. I like sharing my uh-huh. family with everybody else. And I do this once a week and I put a lot of time and effort into this. And then I got to do the stuff to support this. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. It, everything kind of phases into it. If I just yeah. for you right now, I'll tell you this. You, you throw craps. You, you like the game? Uh, no. Okay. But I, I know what I know what it is. Right now you're on a roll, brother. 
throw the bones. Oh, Price your bet. Yeah. No, no, there's an ebb and flow to life. There's an expansion and contraction. If you're on a roll right now, which you are, hit that thing as hard as you can. You'll sleep when you're dead. And when I asked you if you were afraid to let it in, let a little bit of let a little bit of, of um, feedback for your effort come into you. It's okay to to go, hey, I did All a right. good job here. I I'm proud of that take. Whether they use it or not is nothing. Take satisfaction out of what you do because it's going to sustain you. Because it's going to be yes, the, roller, yes, the roller coasters are going to do this, Ronnie. And it's it's you see the movie uh, Any Given Sunday. It's good days and yes, bad sir. days. How you manage the bad ones. Yeah, and that's it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but you're you're in great shape. You're 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 in a point now where I, I I'm encouraging you to enjoy this time because you're doing great, bro. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. I and and I think that's what's really cool about um, stand up comics is like I feel like there's there's like the the real pros, mm-hmm. you know, like there's there's envy but not jealousy. It's always like like Alan Havy always says like you know, we're in it for ourselves, but we're in it together. Yeah. And you can really feel that, you know, that there's a shorthand. Yeah. Havy's right. Envy is like, I wish I had that. And jealousy is that motherfucker's taking my place. And it's not, yeah. it's, that's not the point at all. It's like when you see somebody doing something that, that, that you like, and I'm just a little bit further on down the path from you. I'm telling you, fucking enjoy it, baby. It's good. Oh, thanks so much. When you're saying, and I just want to- I'm sorry, Gabe. Oh, no, no. I just wanted to get this story out into the podcast. So in Singapore, I was growing up in Singapore and we would get Letterman and they would put it on at like 1 a.m. so that kids couldn't watch it. And um, I would watch Letterman at night. And I remember they would have stand-up sets sometimes come Mm -hmm. on. And I remember seeing this this guy come on and he did this bit and it was you. Uh, (laughs) It's great. So I mean, was that was that like a big deal? Like when you were getting on Letterman at that time? Yeah, that, well, that was like... a big. It was a rite of passage for me, Ronnie. It's like I wanted those pelts on my wall. Like I wanted to be, um, you know, I got the Tonight Show. I got Letterman. I played Car- Carnegie Hall, Radio City. I got to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I played the Apollo. That was great as a stand-up. Um, and I got the validation, and I got I passed at the cellar, and I got the respect mm-hmm. of my peers. And, I, and then I wanted to act, you know. And so it was like I do have those pelts on my wall. And and you're doing the same thing, Ronnie. I I can see it. And uh, yeah, I really I wish you the best, and I want you to enjoy the shit out of it, my brother. I I I appreciate you spending time with me, and uh, and best to you and the family. Thanks for, thanks for speaking to me. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we can see each other in person. I look forward to it. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you are in a profession where there aren't a lot of mentally balanced people. Stand-up attracts a lot of psychos. This could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at CruiseIntoWellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and you know what the deal is. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at CruiseIntoWellness.com. Go! Feel better. Hey, my name is Ryan Chang, and that's 30 minutes I'll never get back. I really liked Ronnie. And Phil, you see what I mean? His parents had no clue he was a big star until the Singapore <laughs> paper said, your son's a big star, Mr. and Mrs. Chang. He was in yeah, print. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. That He's was, a was star, like... man! <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I and and how cool was that? I mean, I love the story about your dad seeing your name and lights out out in Vegas, Valley. and that was the first time that he's like, "Oh, my son's a star." That was the first acknowledgement. I took the picture myself. I did Letterman. I was on TV. Couldn't care less. Couldn't <laughs> yeah, care Vegas. less. Yeah. As soon as he saw my name up in lights in the Tropicana, where he's used to seeing big names, he went, yeah. "Oh, that's my son." And then on the on the billboard right after that. Prime rib, nineteen ninety five. I love that. I want that picture. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Maybe, it was hanging in the... his, It was hanging in my father's office. We, we need that picture. I love that. Yeah, that yeah. that to me would be special too if I mm. saw it. Yeah. yeah, Phil. Yeah, that moment too. I was opening for Seinfeld early in my career at the Comedy Corner in West Palm Beach. My name was right below his on the marquee. So when my oh, parents wow. showed, yeah, when my parents showed up and saw that, they were like, "Oh my god!" And then they come into the show, and Jerry couldn't have been nicer. He, uh, I introduced my parents to Jerry after the show. I go, "Mom, Dad, this is Jerry Seinfeld," and they, and he looked at my parents and said, "You have a funny son." And I saw wow. the look, yeah, and I saw the look in my dad's face, like, you know. You, you, almost like you have arrived. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was the validation for him. He looks sure. at Seinfeld cool. and he goes, why don't you take him on that Carson show with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thanks, no, Dad. no, <laughs> you don't have opening acts on the tonight show. All right. <laughs> that's but yeah, great. it was a cool moment. That That's when I think I had arrived in my dad's head. That's great. You actually got to see the moment of acknowledgement of your arrival in your father's face. That, 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 that's very cool. And, and, and who was this comic that did that for you again? <laughs> Jerry Steinfeld. Yeah, that guy. Okay. Oh, oh, him. Oh, him. How about you, baby? Well, um, what came, what story came to mind was I got to invite um, my family into the Louvre. In France? Yes. When no one else was there, everything, everybody left after hours. Okay, let's back up. Were you, uh, were, <laughs> they like were, that. You guys, were you guys robbing the joint? What were you doing no. after hours? <laughs> we weren't robbing the joint. Um, a friend of mine was getting one of the highest um, medals of the arts in France. And that's where they do the, that's where one of the cabinet members, their offices are. The highest medal of, for the arts in France is, ah, yes, the medal of Jerry Lewis, I believe it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, lady! (laughs) This is called the Flavin! (laughs) It gives me great honor to award the Flavin! (laughs) They do like Jerry Lewis there. It was the Order of the Arts and Letters. And, um, we got to run around in the Louvre. You're running around in the Louvre. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right, that's cool. Yeah, when no one's there. And that's when your parents turned. I think she's a big deal. We didn't, <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't even pay for parking. This is amazing. It's pretty impressive. We thought that Jerry Lewis was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made them feel special. Yeah, you made me. Oh. Wow, it's great. Mm-hmm. Good for you. All right. Yeah. Mark, top that. Uh, I, I can't <laughs> top that. Um, But... Like so, when I got into broadcasting, my dad, who I love very much, we're very close. Yes. was not really a big fan of that plan. I think he thought I was going to be a lawyer, or do something on that path, and he never really sh- took took a shine to it until he came down to D.C. and he sat in studio for a live show that we did with Kornheiser, mm-hmm. and 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 that was really the moment the, everything flipped. He was so impressed by seeing me operate the show, seeing Tony do what he did. Right. And Tony said some incredibly kind and warm things about me afterwards. And it was really at that moment that my dad was like, Hey, look at my boy. He's a broadcaster. Everybody. He's <laughs> a big deal. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. That's yeah, great. Nice. I will tell you, uh, I should have done a little more research and went to you first because we have well, Leonardo da Vinci, 
Tony Kornheiser. I would <laughs> maybe and I Jerry went, Steinfeld. Yeah, maybe I should have went to you first before I got to Alex. Yes, I honey. did go there to see that. You did go to see what? In that room, the salon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you did go? Oh, yeah. for sure. It's this big. It's this little postage stamp, the Mona Lisa. Yeah, it, it's smaller than you would think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, right. when you're showing them around, were you like, hey, oh, by the way, just ignore that. Just come over here like you ran the joint. That's just yeah. so cool. We, we God, were I running. We were running up the stairs, you know, to the, the Nike. Yeah, yeah, the winged goddess of Samothrace, I thought, is, is that yeah. that's it. I'm yeah. probably not saying it right, but that's what it is. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I had an uncle of mine going, hey, listen, not for nothing. If anybody needs the head, I know where they <laughs> Is that the same uncle that would draw gambling analogies that you so conveniently pass along to Ronnie like you do with everybody? <laughs> well, I liked it. I got it. <laughs> That's the way your answer. That's the way I understand things. But the, the kid's on a roll. I, I think he liked it. I, I think yeah. he said, oh, he did. that's good advice. He's, he's a very he, humble guy. And he, you know, I, I, maybe it was me. Maybe it was we going, all right, look, you got to press your bets. Maybe I, was, I wasn't giving him advice as much as I was expressing my own fear. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. He, he really liked that. Mm. Yeah, that was good. And, and the thing I, I, I admire about Ronnie was I think he knows his worth. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you talk what you know. Yeah. And Adam knows gambling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you want... <laughs> I guess I wanted to t- tell him to let it in, you know, because as yeah. I... Yeah, it was really nice. Well, yeah, he really appreciated that. But I, I think the reason I wanted to communicate that to him is because in doing this show and connecting with old friends and telling stories, and I realized, you know, we've all done this stuff, but did we really enjoy it at the time? And I remember being an anxiety-ridden mess at the time. So you do these things, and and, and you don't know if you enjoy them, but, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that he did. Yeah, honey. Well, that uh, adage that you say about you've won, you've already won, mm-hmm. now just go run the bases. Yeah. When did you learn that? Did, Phil told me that. Yeah, yeah but it was Phil. That was like... Phil and, and, I, and Phil got it from Jerry Steinfeld. <laughs> Why don't you bring him on that Carson show? <laughs> yeah. No, but Phil, Phil told me that, you know, that's, uh, and it was the same thing that Travolta told Stefano when he was doing yeah. Uh, yeah. Letterman. So did Letterman. that help, and does that... No, didn't help at all. <laughs> but but it, it's, it's, and I, I think we've made this quote before, and I, I forget who the philosopher was, but you live your life going forward, and you learn by looking back. So, you mm-hmm. know, if he could, my father would give me advice and stuff like that. He's like, listen, I've been through the woods. I know where the bears are. Yeah. You know, that's good. A lot of the reason I think I didn't enjoy it at the time was because I was afraid it was going to go away. If I acknowledge this, right. someone's going to take it from me. And uh, and that's not the case. So that that's the lesson that I learned. And I guess I was trying to make sure he doesn't make the same mistake. You mm-hmm. know? So that, See, and this I, is the point where I'll point out that you are a good friend and a good man. Mm-hmm. This is where you would say to me, no, this is my codependency. I yeah. have to do this. Yeah, stuff. It's, pretty, it's pretty much. Yeah, listen. <laughs> This is how I fit into the picture. Listen to me, kid. <laughs> this is what you got to do. You got to press your bets, all right? <laughs> and if you, if you get a big score, you let me wet my beak. What's the big deal? <laughs> wet my beak. I love that. See, it's very clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll tell, he said something that really resonated with me, too, um, looking at the audience as people. You know what I mean? And I, obviously, mm-hmm. I know they're people. But, you know, when you're a comic on stage and they're in front of you, you I tend to see them as just one gigantic entity. Yeah, you know well, I mean? the reason is, is you're selfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, because, you they, because you don't really get to know them on an on a individual basis. They're just one <laughs> thing to you. You know what I mean? But to say you don't know what kind of day they're having, you know, they may be. That was just really cool. 
Well, when I first started in radio, my first program director, she said to me, she said, listen, you can't see the audience. Just in, envision in your mind one person and think about they're driving home after a full day of work mm-hmm. and everything they've gone through. So just have them in mind. You're in the car right next to them and just play to that mm-hmm. and, and just take into consideration what they might have been going through that day. And instead of just talking blindly into a microphone, now I'm focused on one person. And when I'm on stage, not failing miserably, which is rare, <laughs> I try and focus on like that one person in my mind that like the image of that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when I'm up there trying to make people laugh. Yeah, I I've actually heard Adam say, which I really like. What? You talk about the ticket costs this much, you know, oh, they, yeah. they come here, they have a family to feed, but they're choosing to come see me like when you say that. Well, I do this to impress you, but it's <laughs> no, but the re- that's that was my job. And that came from my experience of when I figured out how, oh, OK, this is how I fit in. Mm-hmm. So right. I think subconsciously it was my job to take it away, make the room better, you know, especially with my dad, because I would see the worry in his face. And I was a kid. I didn't I wasn't conscious of it, but I knew if I made him laugh for that moment, it was gone. And, you know, laying in bed and I'd stare at the damn ceiling going, how am I going to get through whatever's on my mind? And if I can take that away from someone, I feel better mm-hmm. uh, about me. It's it's pretty much it's all about me. I got to be honest <laughs> with you. I like Ronnie Chang. It's it's about me. <laughs> <laughs> I need the outside validation too, especially from from somebody that that you respect to make yourself feel better. Actually, uh, uh, about yourself. I've loved your stand up, and you're also a, a terrific actor. Thank you, Nathan Lane. <laughs> that was Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane said that about me, <laughs> and I feel validated. <laughs> and I want I want to thank uh, the Singapore newspaper for pointing out to Ronnie's parents what a good guy Ronnie Chang is. And I want to thank him for being uh, my guest uh, on the show, honey. If uh, they want to get a hold of us where do they go the adam ferrara at gmail show's growing you're helping we really appreciate it tell somebody you love about the show and if you leave us a review it helps us with our friend mr algorithm and 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 my wife tells me it actually brings up our visibility i i I don't know how but she's smarter than all of us so (laughs) yes she is i find it best to listen to my wife and i hope you do too please leave us a review uh because that actually helps the show grow and we're having such a great time doing it for you we'd like to do it for more people Hopefully to get you through your day. Uh, Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. Because you can never just take me somewhere and be done with it. There's always a fiasco. Mm -hmm. There's something to some feet. You're going to show up on a horse or something. (laughs) But you go with him every time, you putz. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I 
www.thepeakshow.com.